Hey, what's up, you guys? We are bringing the Banter City crew to you. <laughs> <laughs> this is John. Still love it. <laughs> we are here with Talk About That, the podcast. Today, I am here with our producer, Dane Allen. What's up, Dane? Hey, hey. And uh, we do not have uh, our co-host, Johnny W., today because he that is guy. Yeah, he's on an airplane. And... Uh, out there doing comedy around the world, and so... So um, selfish. It is very selfish, and we tried really hard to Skype him in and do a few, a few other things, but it just wasn't going to work out because basically he doesn't care about y'all. <laughs> that's that's really what it is. He doesn't care, so yeah. well, we'll have him back next week, and uh, we'll, we'll have it, you know, but man, today's show is going to be amazing. I'm actually very excited about all the things it brings, and um, it's just going to be fun, don't you think, Dane? I think so. Yeah. There's a lot to talk about. There is, there is. And I think before we talk about anything, I think we have to just acknowledge and take a moment to say uh, just that our thoughts and our prayers are with the victims and their families in Las Vegas and just what a devastating event. Uh, it's just, man, it's hard to see uh, these yeah. stories that are coming up so often and, and realizing that this is sort of the world we're living in right now. And so um, I think, you know, there's always the questions of why and all that, and I think the most important thing we can do today is just to say that we care and we love and we're listening and we're going to be praying for people. And so yeah. our thoughts and prayers are with everybody who's affected by it. Yeah, it just it was so weird waking up this morning and seeing, like I saw it on my phone. I got a news update on my phone saying that it was the largest, it was the, the largest yeah. uh, mass shooting in U.S. history, right? I, I I don't know if they've confirmed all the well, was fifty statistics, but 50 yes, people it's, it's, dead. it's one of the worst ever. Um, and then over four hundred injured is the last number I saw. That is so insane to me, and it's just so needless. Yeah, so needless. Just just this person on the thirty second floor of a hotel nearby. Yep, just so random, man, and and very awful. And I mean, I feel for obviously the families of people who are who are dead now, and uh, and obviously the the people who are injured. But then I think about like the crew of that show and Jason Aldean himself. Yeah. Like how I would feel if I were in his shoes. Yeah. I mean, people were there to have fun and see you, and this other thing happened. That's terrible. Like I, I don't know how I would react to that. Yeah. It's just a terrible, terrible day altogether. But um, it's just so much evil, so much evil in the world, and and um, I, I think you know again, just people to know they're not alone, and that we're we're praying and yeah, and definitely uh, paying attention to it. So, yeah, I got up and saw that this morning, and then today was field trip day uh, with my little girl, so she's in third grade, and so we went on a field mm-hmm. trip to see a play at the Children's Theater in Nashville. And what then, play? It was called One Hundred Dresses. One Hundred Dresses. Yeah, that sounds familiar. What is that? Well, it had like I had not seen it, but it had like. Um, um, I guess four characters and they're in a classroom and one of mm-hmm. them is like a, a Polish immigrant and, and they're just kind of mean to the girl, you know, cause she only has one dress. And so at some point when she's getting ridiculed, she says, no, I have a hundred dresses at home. And, you know, and eventually she moves away and her dad writes a letter to the class. Like she's just going to go somewhere where our names aren't made fun of and where you don't have to be rich to be accepted and all and they went to her house, and inside she turns out to be this great artist, and there were these pictures that she had drawn, these colorful pictures of 100 dresses. Mm-hmm. And they brought them back, and she won the big art contest without even being there. And, you know, so it was like, it was good. It was really good. We, That's you know, cool. We enjoyed were you, it. Were you the only dad there? You know what? 
I was the only dad most of the time. One dad finally came in. But yeah, it was like me and like nine moms. And I was like, oh, man. And my wife feels awful. She had to get on a plane this morning to head to British Columbia uh, she for work. She should. Yeah. I, mean. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I enjoy it. You know, we like the, we like the theater. I know. So we had a good time. Then we got to eat at uh, CeCe's. So, uh, Ooh, CeCe's. Oh, yeah, man. That Dude. is a... CeCe's is, is pretty great, but then also pretty terrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's great because of what you're paying for. You know, you're like, oh, yeah. man, this only cost me $4. Another piece of cardboard, please. Yeah. It's, it's like uh, it's like stepping into a time machine for me because I and my family used to live in Memphis, and that was my favorite restaurant in Memphis. Yeah, I, had, yeah. I think I had a birthday party there at one time. But, yeah, I just – every time I walk into a CeCe's, which is very rare – like you just hear the the video games going on in the background. It just takes you right back. I love it. I actually really like, like little it. kids asking their parents for quarters. Oh, it was <laughs> so crazy today. It was like a mob of little children today. And of course, I don't carry cash really ever anymore. Yeah. No, I don't. It's like, either. can you take a card? And, you know, if they really wanted to make money, they would open up those little machines to cards. Oh but, yeah. Uh, yeah, we had a good time and um, and came back. You know. I really enjoy the food, actually. I didn't mean to poo-poo it. I do. I enjoy the CC's. And the no, des- it's, it's, it's the dessert pizzas, especially. You expect it to be what it is, exactly, and you love it every time. Well, you always have that friend you go to CC's with because it's a buffet, but you have that friend that always – because you can go and order, mm-hmm. you know, and they go and order like 10 pizzas of different kinds. Can you make me a sausage with the <laughs> and pepperoni? And it's like, you know, they have that up there. Like they just want to make their own just to feel special and they bring it to your table. Does that not happen to anybody else but me? No, I, I don't ever order more pizza at CC's. But you can do it. Yeah, they'll bring yeah you I know you fresh. can. Yeah. They, you know what they never have? My favorite CC's pizza is the barbecue pizza. They had it today. That is my favorite CC's yeah. pizza. Second favorite is spinach. Wow, you for sure. They had that too, and I That's ate them great. both. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's your favorite, John? Uh, you know, when it comes to food, I have a hard time picking favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a weight problem. So <laughs> <laughs> my wife and I both talk about the fact that we love food and flavors and all. I can't, I just don't know if I could pick one. You know, I will tell you one thing though. Uh, when my wife goes out of town, she's, she's worried. It's not that I'm not a grown up mm-hmm. because I am like my license says so, but it, and it's not that I can't keep our child alive without her because I've been I've proven I can do that as well. But that the efficiency and functionality of the family doesn't run nearly on all the right cylinders. It doesn't hit as well as it does when she's home. And so she prepares all of these things, like almost like color-coded idiot-proof charts, you know. But I have found that nothing is truly idiot-proof to a fully functional idiot like myself. (laughs) So just give me time. And so one of the meals we're having tonight, speaking of food, is we bought this rotisserie chicken from Costco. And so, right. you know, the regular like Walmart rotisserie chickens are just like mm-hmm. this size. Costco, I don't know what they've done to this chicken, what they pumped it full of <laughs> when it was alive. But let me tell you, it's huge. And I don't know what it is about rotisserie chicken, but there's something, there's something almost instinctive that happens to me. And, and, and by the way, we have another uh, co-host today. My dog Brutus is sitting here yeah. since uh, Laura's out of town. He's a 9.1 pound Bichon poodle. He's black and his name he's is Brutus. A, he's a monster. He is. He's 12 years old. But Brutus and I have the same reaction to rotisserie chicken. Like if it happened the other day, we had one and she'll put some on our plates, you know, because she knows this about me. But when I go back into the kitchen while they're in the other room, I just sit there and pick at that chicken until mm. it's gone. Like mm. I just, I, I don't know. It's, it's like I'm a wild animal. Does no one else feel that way about rotisserie chicken? No, I don't. Wow. I feel that way about chocolate cake, maybe. <laughs> But not. Have you ever put rotisserie chicken on a chocolate cake? <laughs> <laughs> you have not lived until nope. you've done so. Well, 
we'll see what happens tonight. Because well, there'll be no yeah. one to blame it on. But mm, I'm the only one. Yeah, it's very important stuff. Very important <laughs> stuff happening. So, well, uh, well, hey, moving on. Yep. Do you don't you have a book coming out this week? You know what? I actually do have a book that just came out. Uh, oh, it's already out. It's out. Yeah, they said October first, which is weird because that's a Sunday. Mm-hmm. I don't remember books coming out on Sundays before, but I don't know if that's when it officially hit. But yes, there's a book called "Come and See." by my good friend Todd Wagner, who pastors Watermark Church in Dallas, Texas. I got to tell you. Nice. Yeah, and, and I talked to him a little bit um, last night, and we're going to have him on the show hopefully next week. He just couldn't make it today. We, we, we really tried to work it out. But, um, man, I've rarely ever said this, and we'll talk about it in the future, but this is a book, and I've written quite a few books. This is a book I want everyone in my life to actually read, not just like my friends who go, oh, you got a book out? Mm-hmm. Oh, man, I'm not, do you have an audio? It's always the next question. Do you have an audio version? I don't really read. You know, it's a weird version of the Kentucky guy coming out right now. <laughs> That's my millennial Kentucky guy. <laughs> <laughs> did you say millennial Kentucky guy? <laughs> I did. <laughs> Are you got a version of the... Anyway. <laughs> I don't do... It's I, like I, Kentucky, but like a little bit of West Coast. I started a book one time. <laughs> or, you know. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I love Kentuckians and millennials, but uh, it's a, nothing makes Dane more mad than to just say the yeah. word millennial. Well, and I've no, not said it in four I'm episodes. I'm fine with the word. It's just there's such a negative connotation now with my generation that I don't well, – I dude, mean, I'm not what you define millennials as. Bro, then do something about it. <laughs> I, d- I have. I got three jobs, man. What do you want me to do? <laughs> I sleep two hours a night. Yeah, there was a there was a there was a time there where you were millennials every oh, conversation. I was not. And yeah, you well, were. They were bugging me a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> no one puts himself into my shoes. Yeah, well, your generation isn't perfect either, buddy. No, absolutely not. The Xers are really messed up. Yeah. But what's y'all's thing? What's Generation X's thing? You know. I'm not real sure what you would call generate. We were supposed to be like latchkey kids, you know. Their parent, our parents were all working, and so we just kind of raised ourselves and didn't know. Our, the, okay. You know, we didn't feel loved and all that. You know, while you guys, everybody quit work to stay home with you, and so you feel mm-hmm. like the world revolves around you. So no matter what we parents try to do to to do good by their children, it results in some horrible stereotype oh, over yeah. their kids' generation. Definitely. You know, so how about everybody was just doing the best they can? Yeah, I think that's probably out. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> maybe we're responsible for ourselves, and we can't let generational stereotypes cover us. See? Yes. So I'm not picking on millennials today, but at at any rate, this is actually one of those books that I would really hope people would actually read. And the audiobook, oddly enough, has come out as well. So, but um, who who read the audiobook? He, he read it. Todd read Great. it. Yeah. Yeah, about two years on this project, so it's been a wow. uh, yeah, it's been a long, a long time coming. But it's one of those books that and I'm not sure I've been a part of one quite like this. That, in my opinion, you can pick it up, turn to any page, and find something helpful, mm-hmm. like something you go, oh, okay, something that's thought provoking and, and makes you think about it. And it has like 600 footnotes of scripture and other things in it. So it's very much, it's very much like if you. But yet it's interesting and it tells stories and all those things. So it really drives you to the points of, hey, I'm not making this up. Yeah. You know. Why don't so. you why don't you explain for listeners like what you do? What as a co author 
or a ghostwriter even because there are different responsibilities and different roles. He said the G word. The G word. Is that a bad term in your field? I don't know. I've never actually ghostwritten a book. People do think. That's a good question. I think that's more of a negative connotation with songwriting. Yeah. I think. like You hear about a ghostwriter for an artist and you're like – What's yeah. your deal? You're not really an artist. That's how people feel. Right. I think true ghostwriters, you won't ever see their name on the book, usually. Well, I think it's different with books because you have people who like that have amazing stories that don't want to write a book. Right. Or they think it would be good to get their story out, but they need help. Yeah. That's how I see a ghost, quote unquote, writer. Yeah. Like, that's fine. And that's kind of, so I'm a, the term they use for me is collaborative writer or okay. collaborator. Sometimes, like, if you go to Amazon, they'll list me as a co-author or whatever. So it just depends. Um, most people don't care. But in general, what it would mean is is I'm the guy helping you write the book, but my voice is not in the book, like as me. I'm not speaking as John. Mm-hmm. I have done some books where I speak as John. But um, when I do a collaborative project, then I help you. I help you. I always tell, I always tell authors this. So – you have a way that you speak, and most of the authors that I work with are speakers, and they're really, really good at what they do. But if you were to travel to a different country, then you would have to have a translator if you if they didn't speak your language. Mm-hmm. And that translator is taking your thoughts, and he's having to adjust them, or she's having to adjust them into a format that's not going to be a direct word-for-word translation because we have so many euphemisms or so many different expressions and ways of saying things. They just have to kind of take it. And that's why you have different – a better word is interpreter. You have an interpreter, and when I've traveled, there's guys who can more effectively – you know people prefer different interpreters because they're really good at extrapolating out of that thing you're saying something – that is very applicable to the people who are listening and besides just the, the, the rote words. And so I consider myself an interpreter for taking your voice from the way you speak to what it looks like or it sounds like on paper. And so as a collaborator, I'll develop a relationship with an author and they'll, we'll begin just whatever the process could be totally different in each case, but we'll do an interview generally, or I'll take podcasts or other things they've done and I will transcribe those things. And then I will begin working on a voice to say, Hey, it's probably, it's not going to sound exactly like, so, you know, time out. Yes. You just said this word transcribe. You just glazed over it. Like it was nothing. Transcribe. But that is a, that is a very big part of what you do. Yeah. And you, when you talk about interviews, the podcast you're talking about, transcribing, I actually did some transcribing Ooh. for you. Oh, you did? You year did. A year and a half, two years yeah. ago on a special project you were working on. Yeah, and it's never released. That took me <laughs> – no, it didn't release. <laughs> but it took we had me – I'm a not publisher. kidding. This yeah. took me almost I think six or seven mm. hours to transcribe this one interview you did. Yeah. It was terrible. I forgot about that. You have to – there's software for it that makes it easier. Uh-huh. I didn't have that software. I was literally typing verbatim word for word. And trying to move the cursor back oh, on, yeah. the, on the, the audio file. Is, the whole yeah. deal, man. It just terrible. Yeah, so don't do it unless you When you, you hear the, the word software. transcribe, <laughs> know that there was some sorry person <laughs> on the other end of that that was just – Having to go through hell. Well, and I used to, man, let me tell you, it, it is, and I used to do it all just like that. So all the books. I have written, I think, 15 books now, somewhere around there. I haven't really counted mm-hmm. lately. But we usually do your own transcribing, right? I usually do, but when I got so busy um, trying to write, I find it's really hard to be, to be to, that, it is a, that is a just meticulous, you just got to sit there and do it kind of process. And it's really hard to do that and turn around and be creative the next moment because it exhausts you. Yeah. So if I need to Can't be creative, imagine. and I'm still working my real job and all those other things too at the same time, trying to be a father, husband. When I got so many projects, because, you know, 
I'll do articles for different people and different things. When I got so many projects going, it's sometimes I will um, help ask someone to come along and help me and, yeah. and, and enlist the employment of those who would help me transcribe those. Dude, files. I wish, I wish, I can't talk about that interview. Can no, you probably can't. <sighs> But we had a uh, sorry listeners. Yeah, sorry. But we did. It would be cool, especially right now in light of things. Yeah, but, I know. Yeah. Right now, and we had a we great. had an offer on the table from a publisher. Can turned, you at least say who it was? No, no. Dang it, we turned it down. So it, it may never. That book, I still have hopes in. So, but you know, that's what I do. So I'll transcribe and then I'll put it on paper and then start finding voice mm. and send it to the author and we'll start talking back and forth. Sometimes they like to write, you know, and then I'll be editing. So. <laughs> there are people just screaming in their cars right now. No, tell us <laughs> who it was. Who is it? <laughs> Guys, I'm not going to say his name. Sorry. But, but I'll just say this. I just, it I may just envisioned with top. Ronald Jump. <laughs> <laughs> it was not Donald Trump. <laughs> Promise it wasn't Donald Trump. I it just when I when I envision the guy screaming in his car, I picture I picture Weston Gray. For oh some yeah, reason. absolutely. <laughs> Who, by the way, has done transcription for me as well. Yeah, has he really? Oh yeah. <laughs> West has done multiple. Uh, Weston's been texting me like about every episode. I think he texts us all. Actually, he does. Yes. The thread, yeah. And I love it. I love the feedback. It's so, great. Yeah, we're getting a lot it. of good feedback, and I, I hope people keep leaving those. Uh, those uh, reviews and other things. Yes. We're hearing, we're hearing great things. So yeah, that really does help. Yeah. I looked at the stats today uh-huh. and we're up to, and this is kind of cool for us. There are obviously way, way bigger podcasts with much more downloads. Whatever you're about to say, can we go back and edit in the post and make it a lot bigger? Like, <laughs> you're about to say some number and make it like <laughs> two million. Like we're over the top. <laughs> And no, make the I voice, won't do that. Make the voice like really, really <laughs> obviously <laughs> dubbed over. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. So we've we've had so we've done this. We've had three episodes, uh-huh. and we've had a cumulative five hundred and thirty downloads wow. somewhere around there, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I think that's pretty cool. I think the vast majority are in Tennessee. Yeah, because so, I can look at that too. Yeah, and then second runner up is in Georgia. Oh, so do you have any friends in Georgia? <sighs> No, <laughs> no. Do you really not, and, or you do? And you just don't. Uh, no, I can't think of any. In that's Georgia. just really funny to me. That I guess just proximity, but I don't know. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, and that's that's uh, you know because we really haven't done any like hardcore promotion. You know, no. You know, later in the show we're going to talk to somebody as our special guest today who would know all about marketing and promotion of things like this. But <laughs> we have yet to and do anything like that. We yeah. just kind of put it out on our. Uh, I mean, we have what we have done is secured really recognizable and easy Twitter handles and, and other <laughs> things to remember. Dane, <laughs> could you tell us what those are again? Uh, I can, John. <laughs> At talk ab that pod. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> but and yet we haven't changed. I it. think we've gained one follower since last time. <laughs> Guys, we're taking the world by storm. But it hasn't been many. (laughs) I haven't got a lot of texts. I'm getting good texts from people and stuff. So it's it's been fun. This is fun. And, you know, we do have some things that we want to say in this podcast. Mm -hmm. But it's also just really fun to be able to just sit around the table and talk with friends. And that be really the only goal. Like we have somewhere we're going, but the point is just to talk. Well, yeah. And that's fun. When you sit around the table with friends, it should go somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what's great. And this really is how life has been. And that, that that was our, there was a lot, there was, if there was a couple of reasons for doing this, I know you always said, Dane, we would just be sitting and talking 
at a restaurant, me, you, and Johnny especially, and you'd be like, why are we not recording this? Yeah. You know, because we would just be stupid. And no, you, Well, I think we may have said this already, but I tried to get you guys to do this a year ago. You did. And you didn't listen. We did it, by the we way. We did. We did like four episodes. But then we pulled the plug. And the reason after. we pulled the plug is for exactly what has happened today. Because Johnny. Because of Johnny's travel. Johnny's yeah. the issue. And so we, re, we re-engineered. We brought it back. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I told you, it's like, I think we just tried to make it perfect last time. Yeah. And we have to just do it, even if it's imperfect, even if it's, you know, yeah. rough around the edges. Like, we just have to do it. Yeah, because it's okay. It'll yeah, be it fun. is fun. And, you know, that second reason for me was, and I, I said this, you know, last week, there's just, there's just a lot of people that I've been friends with in my life that I'm not around as much today. Mm-hmm. And there's so many things I wanted to say to them that I can never get a chance to say now. Um, and so it, it's just been something, you know, more on that later too, actually, in the show. Guys, we are just teasing the mess out of this mm-hmm. show. Like, it's going to be great. We're not Sorry, telling Weston. you what book we're writing about. Sorry, Weston. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't hate us. Hey, dude, speaking of Georgia, we probably have to acknowledge it. What the heck happened on Saturday? I don't even know. It was the worst. Have I been told now? Wait, wait, this is coming in. This just in. It was the worst (laughs) loss in the history of Neyland Stadium is what they said. 41. And it could have been worse. What was the Vanderbilt game that I saw? They were comparing it to. It was like a shutout. Maybe there was the Alabama Vanderbilt. It's like fifty-two to nothing. I have no idea. I thought it was us in Vanderbilt. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, It's an old, old game, like long, long ago. Like I really expected Georgia to beat us, but I expected this to be somewhat competitive. But I didn't. I thought it was going to go. I didn't think we were going to get shut out, but I thought it was going to go really badly. We know we have the leading rusher in the SEC. Kelly is a monster, but he even he he couldn't. He had no holes to run through. No, couldn't. You know. And when you throw an interception on the opening Also, play, the two-quarterback thing, it, it never works. Well, they're not trying to play two quarterbacks. They, they put did. someone in to they try definitely to— did. Well, what does it matter when you're down like 31 to nothing it's or just, whatever? It just looks desperate. It looks really desperate. It looks like that they're going to let your other guy try to earn his way to and that he, And what did job. he do? He did not he earn his way <laughs> <laughs> to the starting job. I felt bad for yeah. him. It, it, there was an energy watching that game— that was just so disheartened. Yeah. Like you could see, obviously, in the fans with their face palming. Every fan in Neyland was face palming in that game. Did at you one see point that another. fight? Did you guys see the I fight? I did. On, the Twitter. Yeah. yeah the, somebody Instagram had a video. Was it, yeah. Tw- yeah. Yeah. Again, it was UT fans fighting yes. each other. Uh, we all know why they were fighting. Well, they were drunk. Well, no doubt. <laughs> sure. But there's a probably a reason why they were fighting. Like the big hot button issue right now with UT is Butch Jones. Yeah, well, so you got it, people on one side of the spectrum saying fire him, he's got to go, he's the problem, and then you've got the other side of the spectrum, which is well, I think you actually relate more towards the other side of the spectrum. Whoa, which is how do you feel about Butch Jones? <sighs> Guys, I'm not sure I have a media comment to make about this. <laughs> Here's what I'm gonna say about Butch Jones. Yeah, okay. And I said this, I've said this from the beginning. I get what we're saying. And Butch came out and said a lot of things this week about media that they have just ridiculed him over. Because you want to know why? Fake news. When you, when you talk about the media, you're giving the media the right to talk about what you said. Like there's no way it's going to go well for you. You can't address them because they're the ones who hold the microphone. You know what? And oddly enough, this particular 
conversation probably would be a great place for us to go ahead and to introduce yeah. our special guest today because Tennessee I know native. that she is going to have some things she wants to say about it today in studio. Actually, live. In live. Church nursery. <laughs> have we ever acknowledged <laughs> no. that we're doing this right now in a church we nursery? We're in, we record every episode in the church nursery. Should we acknowledge that I'm under concussion protocol right now because I just cracked my head on that little cabinet where they keep on. the diapers? <laughs> 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 Guys, this is yeah. exactly what happens. It's the quietest it. room in the building, Yeah, at least downstairs. And so it just makes sense there to do go. it here. And so our special guest today is no stranger to this room because she has a uh, child that comes to this room. But she is Allison Holland. How you doing, Allie? Hello. I'm good. Thanks uh, for having me. Yeah, Allison. Excited to be here. Oh, we're so excited to have you. Allison's been a good friend for a long time. We're going to talk about some cool stuff today. But Allison, first and foremost, you are uh, a Tennessee fan, born and bred. And so yes. I'm ta- we're talking about Butch Jones and what's going on. I want you to remember that millions of people around the world are listening. And so our conversation here has influence. So mm-hmm. choose your words, weigh them as you go. But <laughs> okay. how, would, how would you like to respond to Dane's questions? My questions? What, yeah, what I don't I, know what question. Said, he said, what do I think about Butch Jones? You think I'm on this other side of I was Butch just Jones. asking you to represent your side of the I'm spectrum. So sick of you with attacking Butch me. <laughs> I didn't ask any like certain question. I want to know what you think too. Like yeah, honestly, did you you didn't even finish what you said? Well, what no, you were I saying? I think that was on purpose, guys. That's called yeah. diplomacy. It's called deflection, <laughs> and I will not stand for it. <laughs> okay, I'll answer this, and Allison, I want you to take. Okay. Here's the deal. I think, though, what he said in the media, there's no way he could win when he said that. You guys are fostering this negative environment. Mm. But you gotta understand, he was three and by one. spreading fake news is well. What he said. But every little thing is a story. If if he was winning like Nick Saban was winning, then no one, everyone will be worshiping the idea of champions of life and all these things. But right. now, and, and by the way, we're nine and four, two seasons in a row. When we were barely winning five to seven games before, we have the top recruiting class in the SEC coming in. And we've had like four top ten or fifteen classes. Like, it's all there. And I know that we don't always win in the fashion people want us to. We beat Georgia and Florida last year. First time beating Florida in 11 years. But I know we lost to Vanderbilt. And I know we lost to South Carolina. And so I get it. I, I, I really do. But he's right to, to a little bit of the whole, the whole of Knoxville is not on the same side right now. Mm-hmm. Because, and this is what John Kerry and I will have John Kerry. John Kerry and I call it Cubs fan. It's a Cubs fan mentality. Cubs fans were used to losing for 91 years. And so you know when you get used to losing, you now begin to play that role. And at some point, up until the final run was scored and they finally had the last out of the World Series last year, that you know there's some Cubs fan somewhere going, no way we win this game, like doubting you to the very end. In fact, some are probably less happy as winners than they were getting to complain about their team all the time because it's an identity after a while. So all that being said, I think that there's a negative identity in Knoxville. Do I think that that we could make better in-game calls and all those things? Yes. Do I think the program is stabilized a lot? Yes. Do I think that he could take that same team and the balls might roll a different direction next year and possibly he wins the East? Sure. All those things are possible. But that culture of negativity, how does that play upon the players? I don't know. When they're walking into the stadium and well, they Well, one know. left. That's how it plays. Mm-hmm. Which one's player? gone? Uh, Bull, I don't know, he, was, he was like Shubik. a redshirt freshman. 
we had a, a player, a red, how did I miss Wait, him? I left. didn't know that. I thought you were talking yeah, about this last is today, year. today, today. Because last year, Jalen Hurd left. Jalen Hurd did leave last year. So, yeah. <laughs> and that was because of Butch, too. He even said that, didn't he? He said it was because uh, they had promised they would run a different style. Bullwear. Really? He's not a... Gone. Mm-hmm. He I didn't know walked. that. He was already injured, I think. Well, I don't know. This is, Vincent, yeah, here's Vin, the, here's Vin, the article. I'll look at the article. Keep okay. going. Jalen Hurd. Okay. Jalen Hurd. <laughs> here's what's hard about Jalen Hurd. He left. He would have easily been the leading rusher in Tennessee history if he just would have stayed for his final season. He didn't like the fact because he's a downhill, you know, between the tackles kind of runner, and we have this finesse type offense with this this option. He didn't like that apparently, and they told him. But the dude was the dude would have had millions of dollars to just stay, just to sign in the draft. And instead, he left. He's now gone to another school. Has to sit for a year at Baylor, and is apparently changing positions. He's going to be a wide receiver, is the last I heard somehow. So to me. I don't know what's going on in that locker room, but that was a poor decision. But you're probably mm-hmm. right. It was it was probably over things that he thinks his coach said that weren't followed through with. I mean, I feel like the whole Butch thing is no one's gonna nothing's gonna repair his reputation. You know, even if we win every game the rest of the season, I feel like everybody's still gonna find a reason to hate him. Like there's no way. That's you what know? I'm saying. Yeah. Well, I agree with them. I don't like him either. <laughs> but <laughs> she said it like it's good. Well, I tried so hard. Like I was so into the brick by brick. I bought totally. Jeffrey a brick by brick shirt. Yeah, that was oh, his first oh, ball shirt. It was a great campaign. Yeah, I was so into it. I really thought that he was going to rebuild. I kept saying next year, you know, we'll rebuild. It'll get better. It's it's not going to get better. He sucks. <laughs> no. But how much is that? How much of that is forty-one to nothing? Right, I know, but that's that's football, guys. Like it doesn't forty-one. It, it's a game and to nothing. Sometimes the ball doesn't go your way. Now that's not necessarily that's all that happened. It lightly, we were in that game for a long time. But once it gets out of hand, it gets out of hand, and it's hard to stop that bleeding. And just, just everyone's faces. Butch was checked out. I was watching him. He was checked out the whole game. After after it started pulling away, he was done. Well, I think he's out. Probably because he knows he's done. Well, yeah, I yeah. know. But even like his player, it trickled down. The players were just like getting angry. Like they're slouched over. I mean, it just was bad. True. And that the can't help your game. Bad. No, it you know? can't. But I don't it think. Was it was sad. It was really sad guys, to watch. He's not done. By the way, it, it was Vinzel Boulware. That's the guy that yeah. left today. Wow. Or mm. yesterday. Another That's, offensive lineman, which is where we're struggling. But. Yeah. As a freshman, that might actually be a very good decision. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. doing the right yeah. thing for sure for his career. Guys, even if they don't go and win all these games, I mean, we put a lot of players in the NFL last year. I mean, you got to think about yeah, their personal careers. that's true. But, I mean, think about all the SEC players and or players from MTSU that go on to, mm-hmm. the, to the pros. But I think you're going to have to keep Butch through this season and see what he does. If you he think does, they'll let him finish it out? Yeah. If you if he if he wins all the rest of his games, guys, he's not going anywhere. He'll have what's the great, buyout? What is it like nine? I heard it was million? eight or nine million. Wow. Which I mean, you know, that's I mean, you gotta consider that. Right. That's almost what we coach. make off this podcast in, in a year. <laughs> <laughs> off the five hundred downloads, <laughs> they were they were very wealthy donors. Each one of our five hundred <laughs> listeners. Um, well, I don't know. We'll see. I, here's the thing: I worry about the st- this the stable nature of the program when you go and making those big changes, if you do make them, you'd have to have a big name like John Gruden or somebody like somebody who's ready to come in Peyton Manning. Like these are all the dreams. Everybody's talking Chip Kelly. 
Chip Kelly's great at Oregon, and it was horrible in the pros. Who knows what he's going to be here? I don't know. They're, yeah, I don't know. What if Peyton became our coach, though? That's like <sighs> a dream come true. Peyton would have to be an offensive that's, coordinator or quarterback coach first. That's I don't think dream. it won't happen. Oh, well, I know it won't happen, but that'd be awesome. How full circle is that? <laughs> it would be. <laughs> no, what, did he? What was the thing he got uh, the game against Georgia? Like it, we kicked oh, off with he, it. Nausea. <laughs> <laughs> no, we like. It's like a Hall of Fame mean, or something. Yeah, he was inducted into the Hall of Fame. That was that game. That's yeah, awful. How sucky is that? <laughs> I bet he was so like embarrassed. You know how yeah. sometimes you just get that pit in your stomach where you feel so awkward? I'm sure that was him. <laughs> I, already left. I already left at halftime. No, no. Oh, yes. Surely not. That's what I heard. Did you see the thing I told you? I had you? boots on the ground Mm-mm. in Knoxville at Neyland. Did you? Tailgate. <laughs> and that's what they told me. Did you see the thing I tweeted from Reggie Dabbs that had a picture? I forget his name. But they had a it had just a picture of Peyton Manning with a little tiny mustache drawn on him. It was like this just in breaking news. <laughs> yes. Bush Jones announces and it's like freshman blah blah blah. We'll start today. <laughs> yes, I did That's see funny. this. So good. I forget his name, but no, I don't know. I just, I just, um, I think we'll see what happens. But I think they're going to have to give him time and 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 see. But it does affect recruiting if they have to let him go at the end of the year. So we'll have to just see what happens. But uh, I don't know, guys. We'll we'll we'll, we'll wait and see. So. Um, been thinking about a lot of different things, and um, I had this. My wife got pulled over oh. uh, by a cop, and and so I was thinking of the day. And the reason I know so much about this is, is I when you get pulled over, there's this universal question that you get asked every time. A cop walks up to your car, and he says, "What, Allison? Did you know you were speeding? Right? Or do you know how fast you were going? Oh, yeah." And like there's this there's this moment there that this question, guys, it's, it, it sounds really simple, but there is such profundity. There is mm. such a – yes, there is such a sense of impossibility of how to answer this because if you answer yes, yes, I know how fast I was going, then you were admitting that you broke the laws and give you a ticket. But if you answer no, then you're admitting that you're a negligent driver <laughs> because you don't know how fast you're going. Yeah. And so you don't really know how to answer because – and, and then you start asking this question. I wonder if this cop really knew how fast I was driving. Like what if cops are just pulling people over and <laughs> randomly asking them that question to see what they say? Uh, I know I was speeding. They're just admitting to stuff. It would be a great tactic if I was a police officer. Oh, yeah. Just start pulling random people over and go, do you know how fast you're going? And see what they say. <laughs> you might just up your quota right there. What do you guys think? I, I have know. a friend, uh, Matt Arcaney. You know him. Yes, I do know him. He actually thinks it's better to talk back to the cop. And tell him, no, I was not speeding. S- just to avoid that question altogether. Wow. To address Ooh. it head on. And his That's one bold. experience doing that, the cop let him off without a ticket. Wow. Yeah. The but guy was asked he him, speeding? You know fat- yeah, he was speeding. It so wasn't- why? You're telling, you're telling our listeners that she I lie. think, well, hang on, hang on. <laughs> I don't think, I, I, I don't remember if he was speeding. But that's beside the point for our purposes in this conversation. <laughs> fact that you're telling this cop, no, I wasn't speeding. I was actually two miles per hour under the speed limit. The guy was just like, oh, oh. And that was it. Like they talked back and forth a little bit and then the guy left. That was it. Wow. I think Matthew just, I don't know. He he hit the wormhole. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> he, he knows he how to deal with it. He Narnia. Like yeah. he knows – I don't know. And I have, you know, I have friends who are police officers and everything. And so, and I was just joking about their quotas and all that, but it'd right. be a good question to ask them. We should have one yeah. of them on one day. Like, let's go ahead and try to figure out what they're thinking. Like, what are you thinking? What are they training you to think when you walk to the door of that car in terms of 
you know, just a, a regular speeder. Yeah. But um, we can have the cop and Matt Arcaney. Yes, <laughs> have them talk about episode. it. Yeah, yeah. Well, he I would th- come in. I think he would do it. I think he would do it. Yeah, that would so. be fun. Well, Allie, um, we appreciate you being here today. So let's talk about you for a little while. Is that okay? That is okay. Yeah, we'll talk about you. And so um, tell us about tell us about your family and about your beautiful daughter and uh, just kind of catch us up to speed on some things about you and who you are. Okay. Um, I have a husband named Jeffrey. He's We've a been, wonderful y'all all know him. Yes. He's a legend. Uh, he, we've been married almost four years in March. Wow. Um, I have a little girl named Kate who oh, okay. is precious. Girl. She's a mess, but she's sweet too. <laughs> um, yeah, she's one, actually 16 months now, which I always said I wasn't going to do months. And now that uh-huh. I have a child, I'll be counting months till she's 18, probably. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I have a marketing degree. I recently got it in May. Nice. It Congratulations. Took me, thank you. It took me five years to get it. It takes so. a lot of people five years to graduate college. Well. They're called doctors. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I have a marketing degree. <laughs> Just gives a little throwback to a little... Uh, <laughs> What was that, Dumb and Dumber, or was that Tommy Boy? That was Tommy Boy. Sorry. Continue up. Sorry. You're good. Um, So I got that finally, and yeah, I'm just living life. I'm a social media manager, freelance, so I do it for small businesses are my focus right now, Uh just keeping their social media platforms relevant for them, and that's it. It's a good little... Wow. I wish I knew somebody... Who had a social media platform that wasn't relevant right now? You know, like that maybe it had some horrible name Allison. that they couldn't remember. How do you yes. feel about our our screen name? It is absolutely horrific. <laughs> <laughs> it's awful. First time I saw it, I was like, "Let's talk what? about that, Dane." <laughs> For some reason, like what made you? What came well, over I you? I didn't want to do it. We there was I beg no you not to do it. there was no like. Uh, easy name. Everything had already been taken. Taken about talk about that. Like that's a common thing. I it guess. looks like you typed like A B C D E F G and then <laughs> jumped about one. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I guess we're just gonna have to change everything. I think that might be wise. I don't know how. Can I'll we, help you. Can we, we can do that. Risk losing all the do whatever we want to do. I mean, mm-hmm. sometimes you just gotta clean slate it. You yeah. know. Sometimes you gotta you gotta cut it. Consistent branding. Name, change everything. <laughs> I'm telling you, there's not an easy screen name to find online or handle, whatever it's called. On no, that's true. Instagram, yeah. Twitter, like talk about that is used up wouldn't for it be am- some reason. Wouldn't it be amazing if we could revolutionize the way that handles were being created? Like create some sort of code out of different letters or something else is available so that no longer do you have to just have the letters in order, but everyone knows the code. Hmm. I don't get that. <laughs> what do you mean? Sorry. So continue. I'm- like I'm, I'm thinking, like so. Sadie made Sadie has this code that they taught her at school. Okay, and it's like there's this, and, and I'm sorry, you listeners can't see my hands, but there's like you know, create a a T or a cross on a piece of paper, and and has like everything everything in the code that looks like a, a you know a, a greater than sign or whatever is going to be this letter, this letter. If it has a dot in the middle, use the second one. Hmm. And so she's gotcha. creating all these encoded messages. If we could find a way to put those into you know into handles then we could open up we could go back and we could get google or whatever we want you just have to decipher it first i don't know guys it'd be a lot of trouble i think what needs to happen is anybody who has been inactive for three years or something just gets kicked off automatically yeah i remember when we were we were trying to secure a name on twitter for the band we we tried loyals obviously 
But there's this one person who's never tweeted in their life mm-hmm. from this account. Yep. It was created like a month before I was looking for the same. Never used it. Hasn't ever used it. I, I, I reached out to her somehow, direct messaged her or whatever, to try to see if she could delete her account. And I got nothing. Well, it's because she's not checking yeah. it. Yeah, she doesn't yeah. care. Yeah, there was a, uh, and you're going to laugh at this, there was a, one of the book title possibilities for writing about a new perspective on grace and on faith is I wanted to call it Grace Monger. Okay, mm-hmm. like I'm this, you know, sometimes I'll use that time a grace monger, like that's going to be the thing I'm going to talk about. I'm, and I'm, I'm not apologizing for that. I'm just going to tell you that's what it is. And so I went to buy the URL gracemonger.com and there is a girl named Grace Monger. <laughs> 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 Same thing. She seems real nice. She has all, but she hasn't posted in years. And I tried yeah, to reach out. So and frustrating. Her, like, oh. like she created when she was like 17. Now she's like 22. She's never going to use it again. But she owns her own URL. So anyway, dang it. So so Ali, you do marketing and social media. So tell us, tell us like if a if a customer comes to you, what kind of things are you gonna like take from them? What kind of questions would you ask to process and to identify what their needs are to help create a plan? Right. Um I first of all sit down with them and have a meeting and talk about the fact that I am definitely not an expert in, by yeah. any means because I just graduated and honestly, I mean, I love school. I'm glad I did it. Well, I don't love school. I take that back. That was a huge <laughs> lie. I hate school, but I'm glad I got my degree and everything. But so much of what they teach in marketing is so not relevant whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are not even focusing but one little elective on social media or anything, which yeah. is everything now. So I sit down with them, talk to them about how I've kind of had to self-teach myself everything. Yeah. Um, and just kind of say, you know, obviously, in order to have a brand or a business that you want people to think is operating, you need to have a constant social media presence. Because right. a common thing that small business owners do is they'll tweet a little bit here and then they'll drop it because they'll be busy actually working on their business right. instead of thinking about social media. So my whole pitch kind of is like, you work on your passion and I'll post about it for you. So you don't oh, have to yeah. worry about it. Yeah. So basically what I ask is that they just provide me with photos. We all have shared photo streams with all my clients, and they just dump photos anytime they can. If they have a project they're working on or something that is big, then I'll go personally take photos so they don't have to worry about it. And then I just kind of keep it flowing. I just kind of, you know, come up with different posts. I keep up with all the national days, the real cheesy ones, uh-huh. you know. But I keep up with that because people, you know, think that's a relevant for a day. day. Exactly, Whatever. exactly. Yeah. And just hashtags obviously grow platforms a ton. So I tell you how much I hate hashtags. Well, I know because you don't use them. I've noticed I that. I hate them. Yeah. I don't. It's just annoying. That's why we have, have no to think about. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, hashtags really do grow your followers a ton. So I, I know. I know. I realize that. But I just, I don't want I don't, to I don't sit like there and think about hashtags for anything well, no go, i know like even a, for these episodes like when i upload them to libsyn it asks me for like keywords mm-hmm. or like i just like i don't want to sit there and think about okay what do we talk about today got to put in peyton manning now volunteers vol football right. like it's just so endless and it's silly it it's is. silly that i have to do that but it's searchability we, we're right, in, it's seo we're in 2017 we should have something that just analyzes your podcast Oh, wow. And analyzes what you talked about, and then puts the keywords. That in probably for is a you. thing, actually. It probably yeah. is a thing. Well, let's we find probably have, if you know, we probably can't thing, afford that thing. Email <laughs> us at talk <laughs> at t a b c d e d f g. Actually, actually, our Gmail is is pretty normal. Talk about that. Talk about that podcast at gmail.com. So okay. if you if you do know of a software, what, please God. Wasn't talk about that podcast available? Send us it. What wasn't talk about that podcast as a yeah? As it was a just really long. 
Well, yeah, Talk but about it's that also podcast. Memorable. So... You used a term there, SEO. You, you raise a good point. Yeah. You just... <laughs> <laughs> Could you define SEO? It's search engine optimization. Oh, wow. Yes. And <laughs> that. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to deal with it, man. I know, it's but that's so what much. keywords are for. I guess yeah. that's like why. Like in your uh, websites and posts and stuff like that. So. I guess that's why there's a market for people like you. Exactly. They come in and take care of that. They do all the stuff that y'all don't want to do. Yeah, right. <laughs> Like all the stuff that matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do believe that there is something to be said for, and, and this is something I encounter a lot as a writer. Like I only write for people who are too busy to do it for themselves and who are doing something so significant and substantial usually that you want them to continue doing what they're doing mm-hmm. so that there's something worth writing about. So I often say the same thing like you just said to, to your clients. I'll say, listen, if I'm doing my job right, you'll be able to continue what it is you're doing that makes people want to read what you're going to write. Right. And so I think that that's, that's a great you know service that you're providing because I, I do think in the modern age, there have been seasons in life, gosh, where you're, you guys know I've promoted different video series or different things where the, you said there's this overwhelming amount of work to do to get your content to other people. Mm-hmm. And, and But to create content and good content is hard enough as it is. And so I just do. I, I want to give up. I'm just like, you know what? I ended up, I end up not, I just end up hating it. Either they it. find it or they don't. Right. <laughs> like, and then they don't. You know, that's yep. the thing. Like you <laughs> Every can't, time. It's not ever going to happen by chance. Not in today's world. It's too saturated. And so yep. then you're just frustrated because you, you've made this great thing possibly and you're not getting it to the people because you don't have enough energy to be both of those roles. Right. Yeah. I, you know, like you said, everything is so saturated. I mean, there's n- really no – markets that are untapped don't really exist anymore. Mm-hmm. And so since – Digital marketing is kind of everything to push every single product and every yeah. single brand now. You know, it's necessary for anything you're trying to accomplish, honestly. Yeah. And I have such a passion for it, too. I mean, obviously, you have a passion for writing books and you have a passion for writing you know, or writing music and recording and all that kind of stuff. Whereas I actually love helping people grow their businesses and push their products and stuff, too. Yeah. So, you know, there's people that are passionate about different things. And if we all work together, there you go. There you go. Well, I mean, before we move to the next part of our conversation. God love you. Yeah, that I know. sounds terrible to me. Right. Well, and that's the thing. Singing sounds terrible to me. (laughs) (laughs) If somebody wanted to get a hold of you, because you are very good at what you do, if if Mm -hmm. business owners or individuals are doing things and want to get a hold of you, how would they do so? Okay, I'm working on... A-B. Yeah. Allison <laughs> dot seven nine four percent. I'm working on my website right now, but you can email me at oh. Allison at AllisonHolland.com. And it's A-L-Y-S-O-N-H-O-L-L-A-N-D.com. Wow. Hers was so simple yeah. and easy to remember. Yeah. I got AllisonHolland.com. Today, That's amazing. Which is nice. awesome. Yeah. You know, it know. took me like uh, four years to get JohnDriver.com. It was a big, big deal. Did you have to like, threaten someone? I'd have a friend. Well, they wouldn't answer. They wanted to charge me. A, they held my name hostage <laughs> because there's an actor in Hollywood. He's okay. passed away now named John Driver. And so I guess mm. someone bought up. He's not a famous guy. He's done roles on Law and Order, different things. He's kind of just a oh, side that's guy. That's cool. And um, so way, I guess they bought him up. Way cooler than what you do. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't have <laughs> no, it either. So somebody bought it up like real estate and, and they wanted to charge me like $3,000 for my own name. And I finally, it, for like a couple of years, I just played hardball. Like, fine, good luck finding anyone else who's going to want that is not named John Driver. And they were like, fine, you know. And so eventually, I That's had a friend funny. who kind of knew how to pull some strings, and did you, I didn't. I did pay for it, but not nearly that much. I would have so, paid that much for it. It's so? important, yeah. It's if you can important. get your own name, especially it's a big deal. You. I think I paid. I think. 
think I paid. Can I say what I paid? Does that matter? Sure. Yeah, that's care. fine. I think I paid like seven, eight hundred dollars for it. It's all oh, done. Wow. So it ended up being great. That's a steal. I yeah. totally would have done that. And I mean, that that's a lot of money even now, you know. But certainly, when I was trying to build those things. But yes, having your own name. Is, oh, big is deal. Big big deal. And dot com, obviously. Yeah, and Jeffrey's get, still trying to get dot com. Uh, it's bad. He, I think he refreshes it probably every hour <laughs> trying to see if finally it's available. <laughs> well, and Jeffrey, for everybody out there, Jeffrey Holland, who has a nickname, Pod. Pod. I, I don't ever hardly call him Pod. Well, call him Jeff. I've never heard you call him Pod. I don't you don't think. call him Pod? I do occasionally. I think, I don't know. Well, we got about the evolution of that name, too. So that name came back when we were all in youth group, and Jeffrey was. So Jeffrey's like a technological genius. He is yes, an he really acclaimed is. director of photography, uh, his editing, his shooting, his video, video abilities are just yeah. like their next mm-hmm. level. He, if something's broken, Jeffrey, like across the board, if yeah. it's technolo- if it's technologically based, yeah. all he has to do is touch it and touch it. Touch it. It does it to me all the time. I'll go, Jeffrey, this is not working. I swear yeah. to you, he will touch. He's so cocky about it too. It's oh, so yeah. annoying. <laughs> oh, he'll just tell you. And he's not a cocky guy at all. That's no. what makes it so funny. He's like, oh, he's humble. not? Well, <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's, he's humble. He's, he's so, precious. He's so kind and gentle and all, but he'll come in and like, I just had to get near it. You know, he'll do no, that all the time. <laughs> and he's right. That's what's like. He has some force yeah, field or something. But true. So we, we started calling them back in the day, back when iPods first came out. That's how long ago Jay, this was. Wow. Yeah iPods first came out and so he was all about you I was know, still the, in the womb the <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, we ended up calling him J-Pod because he was the human iPod because he knew everything about technology and music yeah. and then eventually the J dropped and we just called him Pod his mom calls him Pod mm-hmm. she does yeah so that that was a nickname <laughs> that really stuck through the years and um, that's impressive actually yeah. like you know a nickname stuck when the person's mom starts calling mm-hmm. him oh yeah because usually usually it's the other way around I didn't name him that. Absolutely. His name is Jeffrey LeBron Holland. <laughs> yeah. And that is his name, by the way. It, it is. is. Yeah. No, his brain's crazy. I've never met somebody that literally doesn't have to study anything. It's uh-huh. not like he sits there and reads or like right. takes in, but he knows how to do everything. I mean, I would yeah, have passed college without him. He did <laughs> so much of my work. <laughs> Shout out. Well, <laughs> well, and the thing is, he's so talented uh, at what he does. In, you know, back in the old days, we used to. I don't push everybody towards college anymore. Mm-hmm. There's a day and time that was a thing to do. And I still think it's good if you Wish go. Wish never gone. But having a, having a degree nowadays, a bachelor's degree, is almost the equivalent, depending on what it's in, of having a high school diploma. Very true. And if it's in certain things. Unless you have – so those who have like this skill set though, and Jeffrey had that incre- incredible mm-hmm. skill set. So does Dane with what he's doing. Oh, you know, He didn't need it. Yeah. 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 And, and, and you'll probably – you hated it because of it. I would say – I don't want to offend anybody going to music school right now, but mm. I would say the industry that I'm in, like they definitely, if they frown on anything, mm-hmm. it's people right out of school. Jeffrey <laughs> like, says that about film school too, unless you're at like USC or something right. that it's like. It's got to have some notoriety, right? right? So yeah. if you if you go to music school, just try not to act like it when you graduate, <laughs> maybe. Maybe that'll help you. I don't know. I, I don't think college is, like you said, necessary for a lot of things. I mean, yeah. marketing, to get started in a job that i would want right yes but just to get in the door probably it's pretty necessary unless you have a good connection there but as far as skills and things i've learned more since i graduated about what i'm doing than i ever learned in college because everybody learns hands-on right sitting and listening to somebody talk at you 
about the field that you're going into doesn't teach anybody. Right. And it doesn't help me. That's for sure. Right. And different industries are so diverse. I mean, when I worked, you know, Thomas Nelson, I had an internship there. Publishing is its own niche thing, you know, and then music would be its totally own thing. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, you just learn by experience and you adapt to what you're doing. I only really finished college for my daughter because I didn't, I had started something Uh and nobody made me do it. My parents never made me do it. I was grown, married, all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So I literally thought, okay, I'm so close. Let me start and finish something to prove that mm-hmm. I did, even oh, though it got great. hard. So that's why I did it. No, that's good. And well, I, congratulations. And, yeah, it really absolutely. is a Thank big you. thing to finish school. Deal. I didn't finish school. I hated school, much mm-hmm. like you, but I just I couldn't do it. And there's part of me that wishes I'd finished because then I would have something to show for it. But True, but you only went for – how long did you go? I went for two years. Okay, a couple of years, so mm-hmm. – but at least you were half in the middle. It's not like you would have been like, right. you know, four years and been like, oh, yeah, but I if you're not using it, unfortunately, also, and I'm a big fan of college, as you know, but if you don't use it or if your degree is not helpful, what you would have to show for it would be a, right now, a lot of debt. Oh, yeah. When I went to UT in 1998, it cost $34,000 for four years of education. That's room board, everything. To mm-hmm. go to UT, now a state school, it's that number will be closer to 100 mm-hmm. in that kind Holy. of debt. But we're not making that much more money in this world. So, mm-hmm. You know, it's you got to just think of that, uh, you know, coming out. And I, I love I think you should go. I think people also forget that education is, is not just about what you learn at it. It's also a vetting process, especially for like you said, mm-hmm. you're being vetted by that so that when you go to that next company, they're going, well, you finished a four year process by which somebody who is qualified proclaimed you to be proficient in this. So at least that's a starting point above others who don't yeah. have that. So but certain certain areas, though, but like with what Jeffrey does or what you do, Dane, you know, or even what you do. It's if all you about can prove who you yourself, know. Your portfolio is good. Mm-hmm. You can be gifted and talented. It won't matter. So. You know who I wish was here? Who's that? Johnny. <laughs> he loves talking about college. Yeah. <laughs> I wish he was here, A, so I could make fun of him for not going to college. <laughs> but then B, like he, he would definitely have something to bring to the table for yeah. this, this topic. Like probably one of the most intelligent people I know. Yeah, he Oh, he is. so is. He's and infuriatingly no brilliant. Yeah. Why has he never gone on Jeopardy or anything? I don't know. Uh, you know, he, he needs has, to. He could yeah, he win. win. Well, he's got areas. He always says he's deficient in certain areas. Someday I'll tell you the whole story of the time that we played. Um, oh my gosh, what's the game? Trivial, Trivial Pursuit. Pursuit. Thank you. And it was just me and him. We played for like seven hours, and we were down to this two. <laughs> fun, I'm telling you the story. Now, it looks like we were down. We had both gotten all the pie pieces, and we had both made it to the very middle. So it was like this battle of the wits, like it, to the death. And so now when you get to the very, very end, there's nothing else to do. You just start picking a card and you start asking each other any question off that card you want. And I know Johnny and I both know these areas like he's his pop culture knowledge is unparalleled. He knows every useless piece of information. Mm-hmm. It's true. That, it's yeah, true. You want to know who the actor Stuff that was? that you wouldn't think he would know anything about. He knows everything if about it's it. pop, <laughs> avoid it. He knows culture. He knows music. He knows movies. But he does not know, which is my degree, he does not know history. He knows nothing about any other foreign languages, anything like that. So we had this. We <laughs> Take had that, that, Johnny. Yeah. And he's so, not even here to like, like y'all himself. make one very big brain. <laughs> All together, <laughs> like together. We've never been beaten in true pursuit. So like together, he. Like I asked him, I had this question, and it was, "What is the uh, what is the French word for dry?" That was the question, guys. It was twenty years ago, and I remember this. Okay, this is how much it affected me. And I thought well, I have him because we'd gone back and forth, and both answered. Now in the middle, I mean, it was forever. He sat there deliberating over it, and I said, "Johnny, 
you don't speak French. There's no way <laughs> you can come up with this. Let it go. And I swear to you, he wouldn't let it go. And then I watched. It's like it was like this epic slow mo. I watched his lips begin to form the correct answer, and I could not believe it. And he got it. And he wow. beat me. Wow. The word was brute. Wow. He figured it out. You know how? He started thinking about when he sees like champagne and it has the word brute on it. Uh. Shawnee doesn't drink it all or anything. He just remembered that, that it had, because that means dry. And then he thought about brute deodorant, which means dry. Uh, and the man oh literally had no idea that. No. Two random things. things. But that's, that's called like a brilliant mind to infer yeah. the answer. So that's, that's using your context clues. So it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, well Allison, I want to talk about a few other things too today. Um, as we go. And, you know, one of the reasons that we started, you know, this podcast, um, you, you know, we wanted to, to talk about the kinds of things we talk about across the table. We've talked about a few times and just have real conversation that's fun and, and also that's meaningful. Yeah. And then you and I, you know, Allison had a conversation in the beginning about a year and a half ago, probably. And you're one of the reasons that I started this. Um, because I remember it was like an hour on the phone and I don't remember. I'm sorry. I remember I told you afterwards I would have given anything to have recorded mm-hmm. it. Uh, because, when things are fresh and when we're discovering them, we started throwing around words in our church a lot, like grace and like transformation. And those can easily become buzzwords. And now that we think we know what they mean. And the thing that you think you already know is something that you're not usually able to hear. And so uh, you were frustrated. I remember that you were frustrated. And you were like, I don't get what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. I know all this. And for for somehow in that hour long conversation at the end, we were both like, Oh my gosh, this was great. And we kind of understood each other. Mm-hmm. And I even told you, I'm going to start a podcast because I realize everybody out there is not going to come listen to a sermon by me or someone else on these topics because people don't like sermons, but often. But I have discovered, though, that there's other ways to talk. And so you were kind of one of the inspirations of that. And we had a topic last week, and we uh, had a great interview right in the middle of it, and so we didn't come back to it. So we wanted to kind of pick it back up again and it can it can go on for a few weeks. It's fine. And we're just kind of asking this question of different people, of ourselves. Um, and I want to give a, a a caveat, okay? So, like, I don't want us to try to answer in light of what you think I or someone else wants you to say. Like, I'm looking for the real answer. Uh, my buddy John, who will be on here soon, talks a lot about beliefs and perceived beliefs, something that you think you believe. And then something in life reveals to you what you really believe. And so I don't want you to, I don't want you to tell me like what you think I want you to believe because I'm in that process too. But let's talk about like what it is in our real confidences or our securities that we actually believe. And the real question is just good. That's the word is good. What in the world does it mean to be a good person? How do people in this world, how do Christians in this world, and really specifically for you, Allison, Go back to when you were in my youth ministry for all those years. And for all you guys need to know, Allison was one of our babysitters for my daughter. So she spent a lot of time in our home. She's like a little sister to us, basically. And so she's, you know, and, and Dane's like a little brother. And so you have these, you guys are on the inside track of everything we ever did in terms of leadership and, and, and training and all that. So you heard everything I ever had to say for all those years. What is it that a kid, put yourself back in those shoes, what is it that a kid thinks it means to be good or not good? What makes them feel good or feel separated from God as a Christian? Pause real quick. Yeah. Much better transition than last week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I apologize. My transition was a little... I knew the interview was coming, and I kind of just no, jumped just on it. No, I just wanted yeah. to applaud oh, you. No. It's very good. No, well, thank very you. I've been working. Segway. I've been working out. you, man. You're a pro. Eating cake. All right. So, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I'm a pro. 
Do you understand kind of where I'm going? There's no specific question. Just, you know, how does, how do you feel about what it means to be good? Um, I think at that point in time, like when I was in high school and all in youth ministry and everything, what made me feel good was when I would go on a missions trip. Because when I would yeah. get back from Bolivia and I'd been loving on those kids, I remember just feeling like on top of the world, like totally. I am, you know, one good person. Or, you know, just coming to church and being around people, worshiping, small groups, you know, those kinds of things made me at that time feel like I was a good kid yeah. and a good person. You know, now that's completely shifted. I mean, you know, How that's... So? Well, now... I kind of, I mean, I think I'm a good person, sure, like what a buzzword, you know, but I don't necessarily think that there is such a thing as a good Christian or a bad Christian necessarily. I think there just is a Christian. Like, I don't think Jesus looks down at us and is like, John, you're a good one. Allison, you suck. Like, I don't think that happens, you (laughs) know? I think that there is just Christianity and you kind of make up it what you're going to. And sure, I'm a good person, but I make mistakes every single day. I mean... I, I can be hateful as I can be to somebody one second and then turn around and donate food to the shelter, you know? Right. So, I mean, I, I don't know, you know? <laughs> well, I think I hear a theme, though, and this is – you're going exactly where I, I think that we got to go with these conversations. You know, the theme is – and it happens somewhere in childhood often for us – that we begin to have feelings that are evaluations of, of our Christianity, okay? I was a guilty kid. Everybody's not that way, but I was a guilty, guilty kid and a guilty adult. Mistakes were like devastating to me. So I set out. People who are like that go two different ways. They finally go, you know what, forget this. This is impossible, and they just do whatever they want to do because it's too much. Or they go the other direction that I went. I go just uber self-righteous, not going to make a mistake, going to do my very best. I'm going to discipline myself to a whole other level. And – I have to stop. This is what the whole journey's done for me. I have to stop and ask the question, for what reason am I doing that? Because it's easy in those days I would have said, because I love God, because I want to be better. But the guy who feels that way, that feels like he has to achieve some other level of spirituality, what does it say about what he believes about the spirituality that he's already been given in Christ? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so I feel not not guilty now, but... Those missions trips and those things are great experiences. I just wish in those days we could have sat around those fires on those trips or sat around those kids and said, you know, let's not just talk about what you're doing today. Because, hey, you go play with little kids in Bolivia at an orphanage, there's no way you're not going to feel great. Or if I take you to camp and we're all just we're away from technology and there's no way you're not going to feel great. Those experiences are so valid and so important. But I wish I would have been asking you, what do you believe what do you believe about who you are in Christ? Tell me what, let me use this word, tell me what the gospel actually means. Like the the foundations I feel like over time became about what we do. And even though I would say it, and you knew I'd have sermons, all those things, what I would show you is, guys, here's what we believe. Now let's go do to prove it. As if, and, and actions do follow uh, that faith. But in fact, I, I like to say it like this. Everybody in Christianity is looking for the next best thing. That's the way we think. Everybody's looking for the next best thing, the next best book, the next best sermon. I mean, Allie, you and I, you work for a publishing company. Mm-hmm. You know, we've we've worked in that world before. Everything about the next best thing, the next best expression. And I believe that this I believe in my own life that's no longer the right way. What I'm looking for now is the first best thing. Mm-hmm. Like that I don't need the next best. I need the first best. I need to believe rightly the first thing. 
And I, I think it came back to this idea uh, that I thought I could be better instead of believing rightly who I am. Do you, I mean, did you ever feel that way? Absolutely. And that kind of plays into the conversation that we did have on the phone. I think this whole topic of grace and thinking that, you know, what you do is what makes you a good Christian. This whole topic is one of those things that honestly, it just has to click in everybody's brains. It's like riding a bike. Like I really truly believe that because for so long, I'd honestly get like annoyed hearing grace, 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 grace. And then finally it hit me what you guys meant. And so now I understand, but I feel like to people that are listening, it may, they might not get it until it really just clicks. But you know, what was your question? Go back to your question. You you answered the question. Do you relate to that thing? Yeah. I think a lot of people don't relate to what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. I think, and that's part of the, what I'm trying to learn. There's the difficulty of it. What are the right questions? What are the right questions that access that? There's a couple books I've read, and one is called it's, it's from like 1990s. I forget the date, but it's called Ragamuffin Gospel by R- Brennan Manning, who's a Franciscan priest uh, who was an alcoholic. He's passed away since, and it's like this revolutionary statement on grace written years ago. And I, when I, in the middle of this, I read that, and he began to address. And actually, Max Lucado had a book, another old one as well, in the grip of grace. Same kind of thing. He began. They began to ask these questions that became. Moments to try to open up whatever it is in our minds that we can't see. Something Max asked was, um, do you live in the fear of never doing enough? Or do you live in gratitude knowing enough has already been done? That's a great question. Mm. Do you have a small circle accepting only a few who work like you? Or do you have a large circle accepting all who love who you love? Do you good do, do you do good deeds in order to be saved? Or do you do good deeds because you are saved? Um, and then Brendan Manning has some great ones. Um, after this is oh, this is the one that would have got me. After falling flat on your face, are you still firmly convinced that the fundamental structure of reality is not works but grace? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. or flip it, or when you have the greatest moment of your life. This is what I, I used to have kids come, and you guys would know a common friend of ours who come to me on mission trips. We just spent all day serving orphans in prison, all day. Painting, building, buildings, whatever. We're all alive. We do devotions. Dane, we grab the guitars and we'd have these amazing moments of worship and we'd share and we're all crying and we're all having this great time in a foreign country and there's nothing like it. And he would come to me and he would say, I just feel distant from God. And this was me. This is the kind of kid I was. I used to do this at camp to my mm-hmm. counselor. I just feel distant because I haven't read my Bible this week. Yeah. And I remember looking at that young man and feeling for him and I could laugh at it. But there's no reason to. Lots of Christians feel that way because you know what? The good deeds weren't enough. And I, I turned to him. I said, let's review what all we've been doing this week. Like as we don't – we would never come out and say God has a checklist. But we believe – that's that's our, our perceived belief is God doesn't have a checklist. Our real belief is God has a checklist and yeah. you're not doing enough on it. you know. Or, or God has a checklist and I'm doing plenty and all is fine. I don't know. It, did you guys ever feel that way on any of the things we ever went on? I mean, absolutely. And I think that's why people get such a spiritual high and then a real quick letdown yeah, when you get back from something because people will drive themselves into the ground thinking that that's what makes them a good Christian is go. to do the works and to take care of things and go help people, all that kind of stuff. And 
Although that is so important, obviously, to being a Christian and to being a good person, not even just a Christian, just a good person is helping other people. That's not what makes you a Christian is what you do, you know? And so I think that's the difficult thing for people to get. And that's why, you know, that one kid would come up to you and be like, I still feel so unfulfilled because that's not what's going to fulfill you is what you do. You know, it would be what you believe, you know? Yeah. But I mean, that, that is the gospel of today though. Uh, some people call it this. They call it our, our, the Christianity today is a combination. I'm gonna give you two terms, and it's great. It's it's spiritualism combined with moralism. So it has this. I know a lot of Christians today that their spirituality is based upon um, a feeling, a sensation, a moment, and and they even isolate. They they cherry pick scriptures out to sustain or support what it is that they're feeling. So they're like making a, they're like making a case based off of that. So you read a chapter in context; it's, it's a way different ball game. They just pick one thing out that says, "My God will supply all your needs according to His riches and glory." Well, that's in Philippians. It's on a whole chapter on generosity and giving. If you just isolate it, or I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we put that on our soccer bags, which is just fine. It's in a whole chapter about Paul suffering and ready to give his life for the gospel. You know, there's there's a context to it that is it's, it doesn't diminish its truth at all, but there's so much more available to it. And so people live with those feelings, and those impulses, and those impressions that if I wake up feeling distant or, or from God, I'm not asking why. And I love that question. That question is probably the most powerful one of the day for me. Um, do, do I, in fact, here's another one. Are you moody or melancholy because you are still striving for the perfection that comes from your own efforts and not from faith in Christ? That's me. Guys, I preached yesterday. I won't tell you why, but I went home moody and melancholy. And I know I shared the gospel yesterday. Mm. There's a reason. There's a law-based reason. There's an evaluation that I'm insecure about. And I'm frustrated with myself and with others over, though I had a great reaction. I still live that. And I want to go home going, forget the performance. Like, forget, did, did the message of Jesus today, either it changes people or I do. It can't be both. Yeah, It can't be both. I have to start deciding. I can say it all day long. Do I really believe it? You know when I'll start believing? I'll know I'm believing it when I go home not moody and melancholy. And plenty of times I have. I don't feel like I have to hit a home run every week anymore, whether it's on the podcast or whether it's in a message or whatever, that I begin now to have confidence. And confidence is a great word. Where's your confidence? And some people aren't – it's not that they can't answer that question. It's that they're not asking that question. I think the real essence of the gospel, if you read the gospels, is about asking the right questions. What are you evaluating in yourself? Are you, or, or what are you evaluating outside yourself? Most of us are evaluating outside. So it goes back to that thing I told you, Dane, last week. When somebody comes in, they're feeling bad. And what do I say? Well, how much of your scriptures have you been reading? Well, tell me about your prayer time. Tell me about your devos. Tell me about it. And it's, it's all stuff that's, like you said, Allie, really good stuff that Christians, I believe, should be doing. But you guys understand that for 1,800 years of the church, people weren't reading their Bible every day. There wasn't one to right. read. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't in the common language, and they, they there there was no such thing as a daily devo. If you you know, you might pray every day, but we have ritualized that. We have made that into this new thing. Um, thoughts, thoughts. Yeah, on I was that? definitely growing up in our youth group. I, I think you tried to steer us away from that kind of mentality, even though you think that you kind of preached it. I think you did steer us a little bit in the other way, which was good. So I think I had kind of a balanced perspective on it 
even then. I think that's shaping now even more so. And I definitely don't agree with the same things that 15-year-old Dane would agree with back then. But I don't know. I, I don't I don't think growing up that I ever saw other people who weren't abiding by those same checklist items that I was subscribed to. I don't think I looked at them and was like, well, you're not a Christian. Right. So, And that's where I think you kind of beat yourself up too much sometimes. You think you you think that you preach this message of the checklist, and I don't think that that's that's the case even now. But yeah, I don't know, man. I I I didn't. Um, I I think I was definitely raised similar to you, in that we both kind of came kind of came up in the same, um, in the same channels, so to speak, and so I was preached to the same sermons you were preached to, and I don't know. I think. Y- you were my, and I'm sure many other people's, um, variable from that. And, uh, I don't know. I, you know, I think if I could say something to 15 year old Dane now, it would be to completely just eliminate the checklist altogether. Don't even let that be a thing. Like, don't even make that a case in your mind that that checklist exists. Because once the check once the checklist goes away, I think that's when Christianity and real grace kind of steps in and is able to kind of change how you think about things. But yeah, yeah I, I don't. I wasn't like this self righteous kid. I don't think I might have been. There may be some people who think that I was, but I don't think that I was. And uh, yeah, I, I I think that grace over the the next 10 years, 15 years, whatever. I think that that grace has de- continued to change my life. And, and kind of going back to what the grace thing you guys were talking about, I, I never had that aha moment. I still haven't of like, oh, I've been misunderstanding grace this whole time. And now I finally get it. I don't think, I, I don't think I'll ever have that moment. And that's fine with me because I think that I, I think that I understand it at least enough to understand that, is an active component in my life and it needs to be an active uh, component in everyone's life. And that there is this grace that can set you free from the checklist. It can set you free from your, your self image issues. It is, it's a completely changing and um, it, it will overhaul your mentality and how you think about life altogether. If you just take it for what it is, we don't have to make it this big magic moment that people, you know, can be blessed with this understanding of graces. I don't think it has to, it doesn't have to work like that. It can, if it needs to. But in my case, I think it was just something that was like, yeah, I don't, I don't think I have to read my Bible every day for Jesus to love me and for that to be, for me to be okay. Sure. I should be reading the Bible probably, but if I don't, every day, if I don't like get that chapter in, I was always taught the chapter. Sure. And then it like slowly dwindled <laughs> into like maybe a verse a, a day word. in some moments. But right. I think uh, once that checklist goes away, then that's when true grace can kind of transform how you think about things. And what's so funny, you know, and, and I'm thinking this, um, I'm thinking that there's going to be a listener out there because I still have that old, and I appreciate what you said, and we'll talk, we'll unpack that over the course of time. You know, I don't think necessarily I preached it. I think I, I think that's what I, 
I think that's what I demonstrate by my actions because people are going to follow what you do more than what you yeah. say. Um, but there's going to be somebody out there listening today, and I and I I was you and am you who's going to be thinking. Are we telling everybody to throw away the checklist, meaning we're telling everybody to stop doing their devotions and stop praying because all that stuff doesn't matter? And I would say this to you because this is a real talk about that moment because what you're thinking is so valid. Here's a great example of when you know you're thinking about revolutionary, actual biblical grace. It will make whatever it is inside of you that wants to balance it uncomfortable. If grace does not make you a little uncomfortable, I don't think it's real. Just read the Gospels. Mm -hmm. Jesus would walk in. A woman is caught in adultery, and he did not punish her, though he had the authority to do so. He found a way. He found a way to, to proclaim another truth than just the one they knew. And he, he, he literally could have picked up the stone, and that's you know, but he chose not to, and it made him uncomfortable. Zacchaeus is a guy. He eats in his house. We, we, we don't understand. This dude, guys, this dude is a dirty guy. He's robbing everybody. It was a big, big deal for him to eat in his house. He's always making you uncomfortable. And we can take that too far and make it not about grace and make it just about doing dumb things because we want to make everybody uncomfortable. That's not what this is. But I, I think it's beautiful. Listen, it's not that the, I'm not going to let the checklist affect the the perfect expression of how Jesus loves me as his scriptures say, I'm going to believe it or not believe it. Now, by believing it, absolutely. I have found that now when I pray or when I read and those things, and there are times and there's still good things to do, but I'm not bound by them as law now. Now I'm experiencing freedom in them as he intended in the first place for me to experience. I think it's and the way I understand it is that it's, yes, you're supposed to do these things. The checklist is not out the window. Of course, we need to read the Bible. Of course, we need to do these things. But karma is not going to get me if I don't. You know what right. I mean? Like, it's that whole mentality yeah. that, you know, you're going to get whatever you don't do or whatever. Like, you reap what you sow, which in some cases, sure, like, you know, we can go extreme. But if it's like me reading my Bible or something, like, nothing's going to, you know, nothing's going to happen to my family because I didn't read my scripture for the day, you know? Right. So, but those things are good practices that we need to have as Christians to stay, you know, up and... Well, when you make somebody do something, you're never going to get the right heart out of them. This is the whole essence of creation. Why is God giving us the choice and all right. this evil as, you know, God's not going to make us... I mean, I do believe, you know, let's let's be careful with that. I do believe in the sovereignty of God that, you know... I, I do. Let's not even touch that subject. But it's the, the same thing we say about giving. You know, it's so funny in our church, and it sounds like we're just. I told the, I told the congregation three weeks ago that our next covenant membership words will not include the word tithing. You know, I tithe by the way, and because that's what I purpose in my heart right now to do is it says in New Testament, but people have used that as a law. And by the way, it's not working anyway. That's what's hilarious about laws. It's not working anyway. It's either your checklist so that I don't have to be generous, you know, or I can or I can count myself generous. Or somebody came and told me how guilty they felt after that first message because they don't give enough. And you go, gosh, that's the exact thing that we do. Like we we take this truth as invitation. And what I'm trying to do is set you free. That's what the gospel should do is if it does not set you free, then something's wrong with it. Even if that freedom says something in your life is going to change, you'll be you'll want it to change. It's a good change. And so that, that evidence of saying, hey, I, re I remove those things, and the, the funny thing is, without that law, people are more generous. 
because they're free to do the thing that God was talking about right. in the first place. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like a, a kid. It's like a kid reading books for for leisure. Yeah, and just like loves to read. But the second you make that a part of, like, oh, you have to re- you have to read books now. Yeah, it kind of sucks the fun out of it. Or even like with songwriting for me, like I loved writing songs when I was a kid, and I still do. But there's definitely the potential now that it's sort of a, a profession or a job. Right. Like there's definitely that 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 uh that component that's like I I just don't want to do that because I don't want to go to work now. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a complete change of philosophy when it's something that you have to do as opposed to something that you get to do, something that you get to experience. Well, I used to teach guitar lessons, you know, here is do school of rock. Yeah. And one thing I learned back then, parents would always come to me and say, my kid used to play piano, my kid used to play guitar, all these things that I could teach them. Can I make them come do it? And I would say, don't, because I've seen too many kids over the years. <laughs> you make them do it. They will hate and it forever. Hate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so my own daughter, by the way, who's nine years old, maybe the most talented musical ear at her age, I've ever heard. She, when she was little, she would start singing a song in the back seat, and I would just pull out my iPhone just to check, just because it sounded like, God, that sounds really close to the original key of the song, and I swear to you, she was in perfect pitch hmm. almost every time. Does she have perfect pitch? I think she may. I've not so tested jealous. it. <laughs> yeah, she totally has, jealous if that's she's, the case. She's really good at those things. I taught her. I put stickers on a piano, and they were just simple triads, double-handed. She's lefty, by the way. I taught her at like six or five, just four simple chords in a worship song. It was My Savior Loves. Mm. She was playing it and singing it with those chords two-handed in one night. Wow. And yet she's so frustrated when she makes a mistake that she wants to give up because she is so talented. Mm. She thinks it should sound like how I play it the first time. And I can't ever get her to understand. That's something nobody, she'll deal with for the rest of her life. Right, no, <laughs> like nobody does this like you're doing it right now. So you're yeah. going to make mistakes. That's the essence of learning. And so she'll just put it aside forever. And I get so frustrated. Yeah. Like I'm going, oh my gosh, you know, I could, I could, I could mold you. Yeah, I but could, at the same you know, time, you got to kind of step back. I did. Oh, there you go. No, we were doing heart and soul because I do this jazz thing in the right hand, and she'll do da 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 da, you know. And she hated it. She wanted to do it. We get crying. Okay, I'm done. Part you- of that too, I think, is the parent factor. Oh, like once your parent tries to start teaching you to do something, it's like you automatically just by, you know, an eight, you you just don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when my mom, <laughs> when I, I mean my both my parents are really great singers. I think. Oh yeah, they're terrific. And so they had me, of course, singing when I was a kid. In your mom may be the best vocalist. Yeah, she's mean, very good. She's so good. But the second that she like started giving me quote unquote lessons, yeah, like it was like something switched in my brain. I was like, I don't know. try being homeschooled. Stop, stop trying to teach me. <laughs> Let something. your mom teach you math. <laughs> See how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I could do the homeschool thing, honestly. Uh, Tutorial was it. good. It was good. Well, what's crazy is now I let it go for like a couple years. Guess what? Say he's playing now. Heart and soul. On her own. But on the triangle now? So, <laughs> right. It's just, <laughs> it's on a harpsichord. Uh, no. <laughs> well, that's very interesting. I think these talks will continue for a long time because it is the, and, and you said it, Dane, there's just no way like one moment. I'm not had, and I think we want to be careful. You're suspicious of one moment things, rightly so. The, the, the traditions we How come out mean? of. I'm suspicious of a moment that someone says, this happened and everything's different. Like that's happened so many times yeah, in life. I just don't automatically don't buy it. No, right. same. Yeah. I'm the same way. 
And I think we made the mistake probably early on because that's how it felt for us. But if you know my, if you hear my real story, if you watch those Trek videos, it actually took three years. It took three years of my life falling apart before that's a one long day. Hike, dude, three years. It was. <laughs> it felt like a long hike. I mean, life fell apart. My ministry changed. My my health declined. I mean, you know, there's all that's a part of that. And but it's easy to just look up and go, oh, it was overnight. You know, yeah, it's a three year overnight. You know, process. Yeah. So I think that's our mistake, and that's what we're trying to correct. Okay, everybody, this may not be a, oh. So Allison, you know, it was probably months and months of you hearing about it, and we happen mm-hmm. to have an hour-long conversation. It doesn't mean it's been that way ever since. It just means suddenly you understood what we were talking about. Right. Because we're not effective at communicating it. It's just because we're using words you already know. I mean, that's the it's hard part. It's not that you're not effective at communicating it. It's that it's something that we've been so just pushed to do and believe, you know, by so many people that, you know— you, you stop do. hearing it after a while. Yeah, you just stop, stop hearing it, and that's sense. just the way you live, and you think that the good you do is what makes you good and a good Christian and all these things. And so it's not necessarily the way it was taught. It's just that eventually I finally realized that that wasn't what defined me, was what I did, yeah. you know? Yeah. Even though I do, I, I don't want to downplay that those things are a big deal. And we're still obviously supposed to go out in the world and tell people about Jesus, all that kind of stuff. Right. So I'm not trying to downplay and act like that's not important, you know? But, you know, me doing good things all the time and stuff isn't what makes me a Christian. You, you know what I mean? You won't be good at those things, by the way, if you don't believe rightly. Mm-hmm. You'll only be slightly effective at them and they won't be fulfilling. Right. It's not fulfilling. That's yeah. the big thing, too, is, I mean, actions, you can work and work and work and do and do and do, and at the end of the day, that's not going to, you know, yeah. sustain you or anything because it's never ending. Or the people you're doing the actions towards. Mm-hmm. Eventually, they're going to be like, uh, something's not right here. Because you're not being transformed by something higher than the actions. And if our faith is built upon the actions of one of us, yeah, how big can it be? Mm-hmm. There's right. only so much I can do. I, I need this to be built on something supernatural and higher than me, and I need him to show up. Now you start using those terms, it sounds like, oh, we're having a revival. Like, you know, you can't say words like show up and then supernatural and transformation because it's like they've been hijacked. Show up. I need Jesus to show up. <laughs> I knew the exact context you meant that in. He's going to show up. He's going to show up. He's going to show up and he's going to show out. <laughs> I think it's I think it's important because we're the only ones with a mic right now and there's obviously billions of other people in the world. It's important for us to recognize that we don't understand it all. Mm-hmm. And I, sure. I, I'm not an expert, John – I don't know. I hope no, you wouldn't I'm consider not. yourself an expert. No. You wouldn't. I, I, just, I think it's important for people to understand that like we're humans and just trying to figure this thing out too. And, uh, you know, maybe we have something to say. Definitely we have opinions, but I'm still, I find myself still trying to deconstruct things that I've been, I've been raised to believe my whole life. I'm still formulating my own opinions about, about grace, about the Bible, about, tithing. There's so many things that we have to kind of wade through to figure out where we stand on them. And that's all I think we're trying to do here. We're trying to have a discussion about where we, where we stand, where we lie on things. And, and that's all it is. That's, we can't, we can't put a stamp on it and be like, all right, that's it. That's, that's how it is. Go out into the world and preach this same gospel. Like that's not what we're doing. We're just trying to talk about it and, and figure out with everyone else where we stand and how we think about things. And it's the insecurity that would have been what made me feel funny 
people just talking it out makes me uncomfortable because it's like, hey, these are conclusions already. These are conclusions mm-hmm. already. These are conclusions mm-hmm. already. Well, 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 we all agreed to this. We all agreed to this. It's, it's scary when you start yeah. maybe deconstructing some of those things. Yeah. Because if one thing is off or if you fi- if your brain starts to think yeah. that maybe one thing is off, it throws the ho- it could throw a wrench in the whole thing. Well, and we're deluded to think that people aren't going to begin to deconstruct it. They're already doing that anyway. Yeah. It'll be better. You know, Jesus says something that I love. He said a lot of things I love, Allison. But <laughs> Jesus said, come to me, those of you who are weary and weighed down with heavy things, and I will give you rest. And we know that part. But the next verse is great. He says, take my yoke or take my weights instead upon you. And this is my favorite part. that I've, No one ever emphasizes these words. And learn from me. And learn from me. That, for whatever reason, became an invitation over the last few years. I'll say, Jesus, I'm, I'm not just coming because your yoga is. I'm laying these things down. Would, would you let me learn from you? And that that freedom to say that being a follower of Christ is about learning. Now, because I don't believe any differently. This is so important. I, I don't. I don't believe theologically. If I was stating this in a classroom, I state the same thing about grace that I stated back then. Like, this is not what that's about. I'm not trying to redefine Christianity, and there are some that do that. But when we come to the place where we think that there can't be a conversation, then we're not listening to the Savior. No, no, mm-hmm. come to me and have conversation. Come to me and sit around this fire with me and learn from me. There's that invitation. Hey, are you addicted today? You know how many kids today are addicted to some substance that used to be in my youth group, and this is the flip side of that coin? They're not defining their their Christianity by good works today. They are undefining it by bad they feel like there's no way Pastor John or the church or whomever would ever accept me if they knew that I was addicted to pornography today. And I say, you know what, man, if you got that from the church, come and learn. What mm-hmm. does he want to say to you? Did you know your values not wrapped up in whether or not you were addicted to pornography or alcohol or drugs today or that you don't attend church because you're too lazy to get out of bed or whatever it may be in your life that's actually true? It's okay. It's okay. That's true. And we're not changing you right now by not proclaiming that. Nothing's changing. You actually feel distant, and you, it's believing rightly. Well, how do I get you to believe rightly? We're well, going to have to hear it somehow. And and yeah. and what are you going to hear? If y'all stop doing your dang alcohol, and you're, you know, like <laughs> we go into this thing. If you just clean up, Jesus could get to you. He does not need you to clean up for him to get to you. Mm-hmm. And I am the alcoholic. I am the guy addicted to something in my life. I'm no different. It's just not alcohol right. in my life. You mm-hmm. understand what I'm saying? Like till Christians begin believing that we are equally in need of grace as anybody else in any situation, then grace is diminished and it's, and it is regulated and it is capped by how good of our works are. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah well, well we, we probably need to wrap it up. This has been a long <laughs> episode. It's been good. It's been yeah. good talking about everything. Absolutely. Allison, thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks, it was thank amazing. You guys. Yeah, it was awesome. Go check her out at Allison Holland. Sorry, Allison with a Y. Allison. Allison at AllisonHolland.com. Okay, that's my email. But also, my social media is Miss Allie Holland. M-R-S-A-L-Y. And that's on Twitter. H-O-L-L-A-N-D. That's Twitter, Instagram. Cool. So yeah, my handles. Because mine aren't the same. We'll include it on the podcast info so people can find it Perfect. Yeah. Thank you. You should hire her to help you. She does really good job. Please do. I would be happy to help. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, guys, thank you for listening to this episode of Talk About That. Uh, I think Johnny W. is going to join us hopefully again next week. Some more special guests to come, guys. It's exciting. We'll see you next time. See you. Bender down. 
A powerful prayer life does not require hiking a mountain to be able to hear from God. God can meet us right in the middle of our busy lives to help, guide, and speak to us through prayer. I'm Christina Patterson, host of the Teach Us to Pray podcast, providing practical teaching and encouragement on how you can make prayer a natural and consistent part of your everyday life. I promise it won't require hiking a mountain, but you just might develop the faith to move one. Listen and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.